3: Welcome to 1001 Radio Crime Solvers Podcast. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we want 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to be your favorite place to go to enjoy a great mix of vintage detective shows from the golden age of radio. The scripts were great, the action was hot, and even the old commercials are enjoyable. And now, another episode of 1001 Radio Crime Solvers is ready to go. Enjoy!
1: Confidential Investigator, starring William Gargan.
0: Barry Craig speaking, it was one of those nights. I was sitting in my office with my feet hooked on the corner of my desk, trying to whip up some enthusiasm over an assignment to bodyguard a couple of tin coffee pots at the Long Island wedding when the telephone rang. I let it ring a few times before I reached out and snagged it off its hook. After all, when they're that anxious, they can be mighty worthwhile. Yeah, who's this?
3: Al White from the Chronicle. Remember me? Oh,
0: Al White, Sure. How's the gossip column racket these days?
3: Warming up. I got a chore for you.
0: I'll bet you have. Meaning what? I've been reading that column of yours. Those cracks you've been making about Larry Slade throwing the big fight, they can't have made him very happy. I hear he's looking for you.
3: Yeah, so do I. I need a bodyguard.
0: You keep printing that Slade took a dive, and you're more likely to need an undertaker.
3: I was right about it, wasn't I?
0: I even called around. Sometimes there's something better to be than right. Such as? Alive. Something you're not likely to be if you keep needling Slade. He's big and sensitive.
3: My heart bleeds for him. Look, do you want this job or not?
0: All right, Al. Where do I start guarding the body?
3: The Casa
1: Daily Bar. Midnight.
0: It wasn't the kind of case I'd like, but a private detective is like a doctor or a lawyer. He can't always pick and choose. Anyway, a few minutes short of midnight, I parked the car outside the Casa Daly. It was an old white frame building that Ace Daly had converted into a plush boob trap. One of those joints where, if they don't get your roll with the fancy prices at the bar, they got the back rooms all rigged up with roulette wheels and crap tables where they do. I was holding down the bar with an elbow, squinting through the fog of blue gray smoke when my client, Al White, walked in. Waiting long? Not very seen Ace Daly? Yeah, he went in the game room a little while ago. Larry Slade with him? Champ? No, why? Just a hunch. He'll be here too before the night's over. Daly's in the game room now, huh? Why the interest in Ace Daly? I thought you were after Slade's hide. Maybe I'm
3: after both
0: of them. You think Ace had a hand in fixing that fight? Yeah, and tonight I'm looking for proof. Any objection? It's your skin, if you like to wear it with holes in it. That's what I'm paying you to prevent. Maybe we better make this one uh, cash in advance. Can't <laughs> you trust me? Oh, sure. I just don't want to have to go to the trouble of suing your estate to get my money. Oh, very funny. Hey, 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 wait a minute. You must read tea leaves. Huh? Don't look now, but your old friend, the ex-champ, just came in. Is he heading this way? No, he's going on through into the gaming war. Uh, good. What's good about it?
3: I had a tip slave would be showing up for the payoff tonight. It settled him. He dumped the fight and Daley paid him to do it.
0: You still haven't got any proof of a
3: payoff. With a little luck, we might even get that. What are you going to do, follow Slade in? Not yet. Give him a minute or two, head start. He won't go direct to Daly's office. He'll probably waste a couple of minutes looking around in the gaming room. Just to make sure he isn't being followed. Now, if we time it right, we may catch him in the act. And if we do, I'll have the biggest story of the
0: year. I only hope you live to write it. I'll write it. Don't you worry about me. All right, then. I'll worry about me. I only hope that I live to read it. We stayed at the bar, finished our drink, and listened while a tinny, five-piece combo did unmentionable things to a popular ballad. Then Al White dropped a handful of silver on the bar and nodded he was ready. I led the way out of the bar to the disguised entrance of the roulette room. The door was presided over by a tuxedoed man with a broken nose. We stepped into a small vestibule, waited while he closed the door behind us. Then another door opened and we stepped into the game room. A low buzz of conversation, spiced with the click of roulette balls, rolled out toward
4: us. A
0: dozen or more people were huddled around a huge roulette layout in the center. On the far side, a hot crap game was in session
4: the race the sleigh, was in sight, so
0: we ambled past a bank of slot machines toward a door marked private. From behind it, we could hear the sound of someone laughing. Ready? All right. Let's go. "As be your marriage. Be as happy as you are, beautiful, my dear. Hold it, Judge. We got company. Something just crawled out of the woodwork. Something was wrong. Instead of a payoff, it looked like a party. Lifting a champagne glass with Ace Daly and Slade was the most gorgeous redhead I'd ever seen, and a tall, distinguished white-haired man was just proposing a toast. It wasn't what we'd figured to find, but our White didn't let that stop him. He walked right in like the life of the party, or maybe the death of it. Hello, Larry. Evening, folks. I've been looking for you, White. I'm going to knock you. Easy, your... chap. Easy. My client doesn't like to be crowded.
1: Make it easy on yourself and you keep at it. It out of it. He's got it coming. I'm going gonna... to... Okay. Okay, Ace. You're white.
0: On your way.
3: Daly, you could lose a lot of customers talking to them that way.
0: I didn't send for you. Get out.
5: Ace, who is this man?
0: Yeah, Ace,
3: why don't you introduce us? I'm our White, Mr. Dare. I read a column for the Chronicle.
5: How do you know my name?
3: recognizing faces as part of my business. And how are you, Judge Adair? I thought you and Ace Daly were old political enemies. How nice to see that you've got them together.
0: I uh, (coughs) I think perhaps uh, you'd better excuse our says. Louise and I... Oh, sit down, uh, Judge. I'll take care of White. He's just about to leave.
3: Don't mind if I do, now. You see, I came here looking for a story in the fight fix the other night. Oh, it's small potatoes compared to a political fix.
5: What does he mean, Ace?
3: You and Ace, the happy couple.
4: Well, and well, maybe Ace...
3: if Ace helps the judge to get reelected, he can claim the bride as his reward. What the story. Ace, mean? he mustn't print that.
0: Not before election. He'd ruin everything. Don't worry, Why, Judge. He... He's not printing anything.
3: That's where you're wrong. I'm not only printing it, but I'm gonna do a feature piece on it.
0: Don't push your luck too far. You're still healthy because nothing will happen to you in my place. Providing you're out of it in five minutes. Just let me take him, Ace. Let me Without take him. Without a
3: rehearsal, champ. I thought you always rehearsed your fight.
0: Well, you little rat! I'll kill you with the last hey, thing I... Eh, champ. I don't have my hand in my pocket because it's cold. I told you, the guy's my client. Sit down, champ. As for you, Craig, put up the heater.
5: Hey, you've got to stop him. He mustn't print that. It would ruin us, all of us. Don't
0: worry, Louise. If he so much as hints at it in that rag of his... I'll not only be on the line of people who want to kill him, I'll be at the head of it. As we weren't in any position to cop any popularity prizes at the moment, there didn't seem to be much point in hanging around the Casa Daily. We got out with about two minutes left of the head start Ace had given us. White insisted that I drop him off at the combination office and apartment where he worked, so I locked him in for the night, then headed for my own apartment and some long-delayed shut I didn't need anybody to rock me to sleep, as I was practically snoring by the time my head hit the pillow. So when the phone started to dance off its stand a couple of hours later, it took me a few minutes to locate it. Oh, stand still, will you? Yeah. Now wait. What time is it?
4: Oh,
3: about four thirty.
0: Oh, it's the middle of the night. It's
3: not for me, either my office hours. Just finishing up tomorrow's column. I want to read you an item.
0: I can wait until tomorrow to read it. Hey, what's that? Oh, the doorbell. Who is it? Hold the line a
3: minute.
0: White! Don't answer that! White, stay away from that! White! White! Without stopping to think twice, I knew that whoever was paying that late call to Al White carried a peculiar calling card engraved in lead. I started dressing, made par for the course, and was headed for a cab in less than six minutes. A police cruiser outside of Al White's apartment house told me somebody else had heard the shots. When I finally got to his door, it was opened by Sergeant Marty Moran of Homicide. Yeah, I might have known. What are you doing here? White was my client. Why don't let's get cute, Marty. I was talking to him on the phone when he got it. Oh, that accounts for the phone being off the hook. Do I get in? I suppose so. What were you talking about when it happened? He wanted to read me an item out of tomorrow's column. Column? He didn't find any column, just a few blank sheets in the typewriter. No column. Yeah, there he is. We haven't moved him yet. You and me hasn't gotten here. Got it in the back, huh? All five of them. Hmm. Small caliber gun, 32 or less, I'd say. Hmm, big enough to do the job. Yeah, and you said there was no trace of a column? No, just a few blank sheets of paper and his typewriter. All right to handle? Yeah, I guess so. Barry, what's on your mind? Just a hunch. I'm wondering if Al White had the same habit most new triple boys have of jamming two or three sheets into their machine at a time. Gee, you got something there. If he did, we may be able to bring out the impression on the second sheet. Well, that's worth a try. Well, there should be some dusting powder in the lab
6: kit. Yeah, here's some.
0: Let's have that second sheet. Here you are. Yeah. Think that's enough dusting powder on it? Yeah, a little more, maybe. Shake it around. Well, what do you know? It worked. Can you read it, Sergeant? I think so. First, let's blow off the excess. Yep, they are. Clear as a carbon copy. Take your vows later. Uh Uh-oh. Here it is. Listen. The mob is giggling over Ace Daly's payoff if the election goes right. Now, instead of fixing fights for sugar, the Ace is fixing elections for honey. Ace Daly in this? Yeah. He told White that if that item appeared, he'd kill him. Why didn't you say so? That makes it easy. We put out a pickup on Ace and we got it made. Better pick up Larry Slade, too, Marty. The champ? Yeah, he got into the act, too. He promised to kill White if he mentioned fixed fights again in his column. Oh, fine. First I have no suspects, now I've got more than I have teeth of my own. How many other characters promised to make this creep a prospect for a headstone? Offhand, I don't recall, but as I think of them, I'll keep you informed, Marty. I got away from Sergeant Moran as soon as I could. He was yelling pickup orders into the phone as I closed the door behind me. On the street, I grabbed a cab, told the cabby to double back up a couple of streets to make sure there was no police trail on me, then gave the driver the address of the Adair home. It was an old converted brownstone house with a large brass knocker. Through the glass door, I saw the commoded figure of Louise Adair. Over her shoulder on the stairway, I could see her father's white hair shining in the gloom.
5: What? What do you want?
0: I'd like to see you for a few minutes, Mister Dare.
5: Now? What about? Murder. Murder?
0: Yes, our wife, the colonist, a few hours ago.
5: I see. Uh, Perhaps you'd better come in.
0: Uh, What is it, Louise? You
5: go on to bed, Dad. This uh, gentleman wants to ask me a few questions.
0: Maybe your father ought to sit in on this.
5: Leave my father out of it.
0: Nonsense, Louise. Now, uh... What's this all about? Al White, the columnist you met last night at Ace Daly's, is dead. Murdered.
5: And this uh, gentleman, being a detective, has it figured out that Ace did it?
0: I didn't say that, Mr. Dare. I said he had a motive. So did a lot of other people. You, for instance, or your father. Ah. Why not? If White printed that story about you and Ace, it might have cost your father the election. But... And it certainly wouldn't help your social standing.
5: Why, that's absurd. Ace and I were merely waiting for the proper time to announce our engagement.
0: After the election, I suppose, when it wouldn't be so embarrassing. And I can't have you making insinuations like that. I must ask you to leave. Suit so yourself, Judge. I was just trying to make it easy on you. White was my client.
5: And he's dead now.
0: Maybe so. But when a guy hires me to see that nothing happens to him and mm-hmm. something does, I want the guy that made it to happen. But
5: don't you see we'll get dragged into it. The scandal will ruin Dad's chances of re-election.
0: That's unfair, Louise. How can we help? Well, you can give me a fill-in on the time set up last night. What time did you leave the Casa Daily? Mm, about four. We came home and went right to bed. Four, huh? That would give Ace plenty of time to do the job. Was the champ there when you left? Uh, Mr. Slade? No, he left before we did. His uh, uh, lady friend dances in one of the clubs. Lily DeVore.
5: If you can call it dancing.
0: He saw her last night, huh? That might be his out.
5: My father and I'd like to get some sleep. Uh, if you have any more questions, would you mind if we discuss them later in some more suitable time and place?
0: All right. Let's say four o'clock this afternoon in my office. Meanwhile, I think I'll drop by the Carter at Arms and have a chat with Lily DeVore. <laughs> The Carteret at Arms was a big, expensive-looking pile of rocks in the West 50s. By the time I got there, a heavy drizzle had started, and it didn't pep me up any to learn that Lily hadn't gotten home yet. I found a soggy cigarette in my jacket pocket, got it burning, and settled back to wait. The gleaming wet face of a jeweler's clock across the street said ten after two when a cab skidded to a stop at the curb. Lily DeVore jumped out, ran for the protection of the lobby. I gave her ten minutes to get settled, then crossed over. It took a two-spot and a lot of fast talk to get by unannounced. The two-spot was more effective than the talk. Anyway, I got up to 4-D and knocked. Yeah? Message for Mr. Vaughn.
7: Coming. Okay, Buster, let's
0: have...
6: Say, what is this? I want a little talk with you.
7: Get your foot out of that door. Nice of you to ask me in. You mean I had a choice? Look, I don't know what's on your mind, but you don't... Don't
0: be so modest, Lily. You know you're irresistible.
7: Yeah. And I know something else, too. You're liable to be unconscious when the champ hears about this.
0: I make it a policy never to worry unnecessarily. And
7: I make it a policy never to entertain strange men without a warrant. That goes
0: double for private cops.
7: Outside. Okay.
0: I just thought I'd help keep your champ out of the hot seat. But if that's the way you feel about
7: it... Look, you can't pin that killing on Larry Slade. You know he didn't do it.
0: That's not what the police think. Where is he, Lily?
7: I don't know. Hey, where do you think you're going? Oh, just to have a look around.
0: Get out of here and leave me alone. What's in there? I thought I heard something. Oh, mice, no doubt.
7: That's just a closet. Stay away from it. Stay away, I tell you!
0: As I moved Lily from in front of the closet door, I turned my back for a second, The door swung open behind me. I heard rather than saw the blow that knocked me to my knees. In that moment, the man in the closet made a break for it. He headed across the room for the bedroom door beyond. I was a little groggy, but I managed to follow him. By the time I got to the bedroom, I heard him go through the window to the fire escape beyond. I followed, stuck my head out. He snapped a shot at me from below. Gouged a chunk of windowsill a foot or so from my head. I pulled back fast. I wasn't that curious. Lily was still in the living room when I walked back. Okay, baby, late time is over. I lose my boyish smile when people use my skull for target practice. Who was it? I
7: don't know. A prowler, I guess.
0: If it was Slade, why did he run? You can alibi him for last night, can't you? What? Sure. Or can you? Of course, I can. We were together all morning. He left Daly's before four. When did he get to your place? About four.
7: We left the club together, and then we... You're
0: lying, Lily, aren't you? No! If you are, I can check up at the club. You might as well admit it now.
7: Oh, all right. The director called a rehearsal on next week's show. Slade got bored and walked out on it about 4.15. We worked through.
0: In other words, he had time to knock off White. If he didn't do it, then why was he trying to hide here in your closet?
7: Slade wasn't in that closet. Who was? I don't know. Who was it, Lily? Oh, what's the use? Why should I cover for him? It it was Ace Daly.
0: What was he doing here?
7: Same as you, looking for the champ. To help
0: him fix an alibi?
7: Slade doesn't need an alibi. He didn't do anything.
0: Why don't you leave him alone? Maybe I can help him. Where is he, Lily? I
7: told you I don't know. And I wouldn't tell you if I did.
0: That's what I thought. Just the same, if you want to see him get a break, you get to him and tell him to get to me. I didn't have long to wait. I'd just gotten back to the four walls of the desk I laughingly called my office, shuffle the two ads and rent bill that represented my mail, and lit a cigarette when the phone rang. Hello? Larry Slate. I hear you want to see me. What about? You? I don't do business over the phone. Come in and... Yeah, and... walk right into a police stakeout. Okay, so I'll come to see you. Where? If it's a plant, you'll never walk away from it. Where? The end of Pier 6, East River. Make it 3.30 sharp. I'll be there. And come alone. Because if you don't, you'll have plenty of company when you leave. They'll be carrying you. Pier 6 was a deserted strip that stretched out into the murky water of East River for a quarter of a mile. Anybody walking to the end would be visible for minutes before he reached the end, setting him up as a perfect target. The goose pimples and icicles running down my spine were caused by the cold wind, I think. The rain hadn't let up and I was drenched by the time I reached the end of the pier. Larry Slade stepped from behind an old rotting shack that had been a watchman shanty. He looked bigger than a Brahma bull and twice as nasty. Hello, champ. What do you want? The one who killed Al White. The cops think maybe you did. I can read. I don't think you did. That's nice. So? Give yourself up. I don't want you to take the fall for the killer if you didn't do it. I don't take any falls for nobody. You're set up for one right now and don't know it. You're lying. Why should I? Ace Daly's the only one got anything to gain by lying. He wouldn't cross me. Not unless he needed a fall guy, and he does. Why don't you tell him that? Hey, Ace. Busy little man, aren't you, Craig? I try to get around, only this time I didn't get around fast enough. Looks like you beat me to it, Ace. Looks like I did. He thinks you're trying to pin the murder on me, Ace. Now, why would I want to do that, Larry? Why would I want to frame the guy who's giving me my alibi? Your alibi? He hasn't even got one for himself. Not after he left Lily Duvall last night. Oh, yes, he has. Larry came back to the castle daily. We were both there together at 4.30 this morning. Now, what do you say to that? You've had time to cook up a nice little story, haven't you? But coming from the two principal suspects, I doubt if the police will take your word for it. You'll have to think of something better than that to prove you were really there. Don't worry. We can. After he got home, Judge Adair called me up to talk things over. That's funny. The judge didn't mention it to me. But then maybe you haven't had a chance to give him his briefing yet.
1: Don't worry, Craig. He'll back us up.
0: Willie Ace? Aren't you forgetting something? What? You can't help him now when the story of your little deal gets out and the papers tie it in with this murder. Your support would be the kiss of death. His only chance of re-election now is to wash his hands of you as fast as he can and try to make hay on the other side. Now, wait a minute. Sorry, Ace, but I gotta go see the judge. I kind of like to hear what he has to say before he's had any coaching. Stop him, Slade. What do you want me to do? You're the champ. Figure it out for yourself. Larry Slade grinned, licked his lips. He hunched his left shoulder a bit. I saw the punch start somewhere near the tip of the shoe, but I couldn't get my jaw out of the way fast enough. It landed like a ton of bricks, and the pier came up and slapped me in the face. I don't know how long I was out, and Could have been minutes, probably. It was only seconds. Both Ace and Slade were gone when I opened my eyes. I couldn't find it in my heart to regret their going. All I could do was hope that they were going to the wrong place if they wanted to locate Judge Adair. I managed to get a cab and gave the driver my office address. When I got there, two people were at my door trying the knob. Even in the semi-gloom, I had no difficulty making out the sleek lines of Louisa Adair as one. The other was her father. Looking for me? Oh, I thought you'd forgotten our four o'clock appointment. I, uh, I thought of something you should know. Good. Let's go inside where we can talk. Make yourselves comfortable.
5: I suppose we really should have told the police that Dad preferred to talk to you first.
0: Well, let's have it. I think I know who killed your client. I thought you might. Judge Adair, after you and your daughter got home this morning, did you phone the Casa Daily? Why, why, H- how did you know about that? Then you did make the call. Why, well, guess? About four thirty. Well, there goes the old ball game. I thought that Ace was lying. But Ace wasn't there. No one answered the phone. He didn't. Why didn't you tell me that this morning?
5: But Dad didn't want to get involved. It would cost him the election.
0: Cost a man his life. I finally realized too late. When Daly tried to reach me Dave, I say I got here just in time. Ace? No, don't shoot, Daly. I won't tell anything. Why you dirty double-crossing old
4: buzzard? He's got a gun, Dad.
0: When the smoke cleared, Ace Daly was sprawled in my doorway. Louisa Dare was doing a good job of trying to swallow her fist. The judge stood, dazed, staring down at an old twenty-two target pistol that he still held in his hand. I managed to pin my eyeballs back in their sockets long enough to walk over to Ace. At that moment, the door to my office burst open and Sergeant Marty Moran came tearing in. What's going on here? Holy cow, Ace Daly. Who did it? I'm afraid I did, Sergeant.
5: It was self-defense. Daly was going to kill both of us. Mr. Judge
0: shot him, all right. Why should Daly want to kill you, Judge? He wanted to keep me quiet. I knew that he'd killed Mr. White. You were taking an awful chance going up against a pro like Daly with that pea shooter. I couldn't keep quiet and see him get away with murder. Even if it does cost me the election, I... I couldn't do it. Cost you the election? you kidding? You come out of this mess a hero, delivered a killer all wrapped up. Just too bad Ace Daly didn't kill White. Didn't kill him? What do you mean? You better translate that for me, too, Barry. Daly couldn't have killed White. I was talking to White when the killer knocked. He got up and let him into the apartment. So? He wouldn't hire me to hold his hand while he was talking to Daly in a public place. Then led him into his apartment.
5: But uh, Ace could have disguised his voice.
0: Won't wash, baby. White was shot in the back. That means he opened the door to the killer, then turned to lead the way into the apartment. He never would have turned his back on Daley. In that case, I have a little surprise for you. Brian, bring Slade in. We picked up Slade waiting outside in Daley's car.
1: Ace, who
0: did it? I... I'm afraid I did, Mr. Slade. I thought he killed White. Which leaves us only one logical suspect. Oh, I get it.
1: I'm supposed to be the fall guy, eh? Why, well, you two-bit shameless, I'm going to let you have it.
0: Right No whiskers. You KO'd the champ. I owed him, that's it. Holy cow, so I did. Hey, he didn't throw that fight. He's got a glass jaw. Well, I'll get him out of here and booked. He didn't kill White either. He never would have used a gun. He'd get a bigger charge out of beating him to a pulp. Well, if neither of them did kill White, who... You did, Judge. What? What? And that wasn't self-defense when you shot Ace Daly in my office. It was murder.
5: That's (laughs) fantastic. Why should my father kill either of them?
0: Because White was getting set to break a story that would have blasted your father's chances. Ace knew your father killed him and covered him for your sake. But your father knew when the heat was on, Daly would throw him to the wolves. But to go up against Daly with a twenty-two. Ace was a sitting duck. The judge shot him before he knew he was being double-crossed, using me as a witness that it was self-defense. Now, see here, this this is ridiculous. I was in bed when White was killed. Sorry, Judge, I went to your house an hour or more after the killing. You were supposed to be in bed, but your hair wasn't even musk.
5: I won't listen to these lies. Tell them, Dad, tell them.
0: What's the use, Louise? I took a long chance and lost. I killed them.
5: Well, they can't prove a thing. Yes,
0: they can, now that they know the story. I left too many traces. Why did you kill White, Judge? I had to. My only hope of escaping prosecution for malfeasance was to be re-elected to cover what I had done during my last term. I would have done anything to be re-elected. Even come to blows with a thug like Daly.
5: Don't talk, Dad. They can't prove a thing. It's
0: no use, my dear. I'm ready to make a full statement. Okay, boys, take the judge out. We'll book him later. For murder, I guess. Barry? Well, we're waiting for the medical examiner. Tell me... Not now, Marty. I've got an important date. Anybody I know? Lily DeVore. You crazy? That's the champ's girl. He's plenty jealous. Plenty jealous, but I just found out he's got a glass jaw. So long, Marty. So long, folks. See you next week.
4: You have just heard
1: Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator, starring William Gargan. exciting transcribed story starring America's number one detective, William Gargan as Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Tonight's script was written by Frank Kane and featured Santos Ortega as Ace Daly. Edward King directed. Your announcer is Don Pardo. All names and places mentioned in this program are fictitious, and any resemblance to actual persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Three times mean good times on NBC. transcription. Barry Craig, confidential investigator, starring William Gargan.
6: Barry Craig speaking. Detectives come in three sizes. City cops, big agencies, and guys like me with a small office and an insurance company retainer to pay the rent. Cops don't have to worry about getting cases, and the big agencies have branches from here to Shanghai. But from where I sit, you never can tell where your next case will come from. Last week, it started with my old brown suit. I'd been on a bodyguard case, and the suit looked as if I'd been sleeping in it for a week. There was a good reason for that I had. I tucked it under one elbow and ducked into George the Taylor's. George had a king size shoebox in the basement of my office building.
8: Morning, Mr. Craig.
6: Hi, George. What can you do with this suit?
8: <laughs> if you like herringbone handkerchiefs, I could maybe salvage enough goods.
6: All right. So I'm not Adolf Mongeau. How about it? Tuesday?
8: With the spots out Thursday. Okay, Thursday. <laughs> Oh, say, uh, Mr. Craig, I I wanted to ask you. I've got a problem.
6: Well, what is it, George?
8: Got a pair of plaid slacks with no coat to match? No, no, no. I'm serious. My wife says, George, you go to the police. But she wasn't here when that man came. What man? What's the pitch, George? The man said, I need protection. Shakedown, huh? The man said, I've got to pay $50 a week to stay open. He says, George, you wouldn't want trouble. Maybe a bottle of acid spilled on your racks. Did you pay him? Well, I didn't have $50. I told him to get out. Now, I'm scared, Mr. Craig. Look, you're a detective. I want to hire you. You protect me.
6: That won't work, George. Stopping a protection racket is a big operation. You need 24-hour guards, the whole setup, to protect all the shop owners.
8: Well, I-, I could pay in installments.
6: You've already paid for protection, George. Your taxes. You better call in the cops. They're the only ones who can swing oh, it. Oh, no. He said they'd beat me up. Maybe kill me. Look, George, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll drop in at headquarters tomorrow and bend the lieutenant's ear. He'll give orders for a cop from the precinct to look after you. And start the ball rolling to find out who's behind this racket. Will you really do that for me, Mr. Craig? Sure, sure. After all, I wouldn't want anything to happen to my brown suit. George disappeared in the splits of steam, and I headed home. I put in a call to Lieutenant Edwards. He was out, so I left a message that I'd call in the morning. I was propped up in bed eating pretzels, reading a medium hard-boiled private eye opus, wondering where he found all the beautiful blondes with the low-cut problems when the phone rang. I left the intrepid uh, sleuth under a falling blackjack and stretched for the receiver. Craig speaking. Mr. Craig, you've got to come quick. George? You've
8: got to come down right away, Mr. Craig, please.
6: Please. What's up? Somebody there? Hello, George.
1: George. Hello, George.
6: I slid into my shoes and took off across town. When I hit the pavement outside of George's shop, I had company. A hook and ladder, two pump engines, and a crowd of fire buffs who traveled to Denver to see a lit can of sterno. The smoke was pouring out of the cellar as I muscled my way through the police lines and ran into Lieutenant Edwards. What do you want to be when you grow up, Craig, a cop or a fireman? I'll take a rain check on the laugh, Lieutenant. What are you doing here? Just holding back the crowd. If you ask me, all these fire buffs are nuts. Anybody know what started the fire? doubt it. Cleaners' stores go up like birthday candles all the time. What does George say? Who? George, the tailor. He runs the shop.
2: Probably at home playing three-handed stuff.
6: No, no. He lives in back of the shop. He called me from here. You sure he isn't around?
2: Haven't seen him. Fireboy said the joint was clean.
6: Maybe. We better find out.
2: Hey, where are you going?
6: Inside. It's chilly out here. I grabbed a rubber chesterfield from the hook and ladder and headed inside. The first flash had died down, and the shop was burning nicely at the proper temperature for browning the turkey quickly. Under the fireman's coat, I was beginning to face in my own juice as I pushed into the back room. I found what I was looking for under the counter. George the tailor, dead. I carried him outside and knocked off a few minutes to pump the smoke out of my lungs and siphon a little oxygen in. You all right, Barry? <laughs> where I can get a new pair of eyelashes? Craig, what are you doing sightseeing in a fire at this hour of the night? How did you know that guy was in there? I told you, Lieutenant. George called me. He was up against the protection drift. He tried to hire me. I told him I'd have you look into it. Well, it's too late for a referral now. Yeah? Well, it looks like it's my baby now. You better give me the whole shooting match to date. I have. That's all I've got. Anything turned up on your end? Any other complaints of a protection shakedown? Not a mutter. You're lucky you're out of it. I'm not. I haven't welched on a client yet, and as far as I'm concerned, George was my client.
2: Well, it's a good, clean pro job anyway. Tough to prove arson.
6: Maybe not. I found this wedged under George. Classic Celluloid scrap. Comes in real handy. Stick a plumber's candle in a pile of it, and by the time it blazes up, the mechanic is clear to Nutley, New Jersey, to establish his alibi. Celluloid, huh? Well, then I'd better make my call-in arson. Yeah, and while you've got the precinct on the wire, just casually mention murder. The bus from Bellevue rolled up, and they loaded George's body in the back. I watched it pull away. Then a hand fell on my shoulder. I turned around slow and found a pair of thick eyeglasses staring right through me.
1: Oh, uh, Mr. Craig, I'm Alfred Whittington.
6: Oh, look out for the lapel. This has just become my only suit. Uh, you're the confidential investigator, aren't you? I've got a license. I want to hire you. I pay rent on an office that's open during business hours. If you don't mind, right now I'm tired and a little burnt around the edges. I overheard your conversation with Lieutenant Edwards. You'll get your ear pinched in a keyhole that way. I'd like to talk to you, Craig. Perhaps my apartment? Perhaps not. Would it interest you if I told you I want to retain a detective to find out who killed George the tailor? Oh? All right, Mr. Whittington, as you say, let's go to your apartment. We rode uptown in the caddy that had to bend to get around corners. The name clicked as we crossed 42nd Street. Alfred P. Whittington. He ran the newspaper that did the big crime series this year. They got Sluts Longo to talk and almost pinned half a dozen rackets on the coattails of Herman Jess, the big operator. Of course, they had to put Longo together with Scotch tape for the funeral, but it made nice reading, and Herman Jess had left town until it all blew over. Whittington's apartment was in the penthouse on top of the newspaper building. We sailed up in a private lift and waded through the nap to his library. It was the kind of a room you see behind the iron gray hair and the whiskey ads. Whittington was a little cozy about speaking his piece, so we discussed interior decoration until he got ready to make the plunge.
1: I, uh, I
6: this room specially designed for my hobbies. Oh, looks like you make a hobby of hobbies. Guns, original oil paintings, and that fish tank is big enough for a stunted whale. Oh, uh, that isn't all. I've got movie editing equipment in those cabinets slide projector. I'm very interested in photography. All you need is an erector set. Look, Mr. Whittington, I'm not writing an article for House Beautiful magazine. Of course. I, uh, i just like to get to know a man before I talk business. With me, it's the other way around, so let's have it. You, uh, know, of course, the paper's been running a series on crime in the city. The board of directors is very anxious to continue. They've so instructed me. Where do I fit in? I heard you say you were going to work on this protection racket. That's right. Do you, uh, still intend to? Up to the top. Good, good. We can help each other, Craig. I want to retain you on behalf of the paper. What happened to your reporters, measles? Contrary to popular fiction, reporters aren't trained as detectives. You are. What do you want?
1: Whatever you can get. Of course, I want reports direct to me, strictly confidential.
6: That comes with the price of the entree.
1: Our legal staff will have to go over everything before we print it.
6: And nobody's to know you're working for me. Bashful? discreet. The staff here would feel I didn't have confidence in them. Don't you? When I want a job done right, I go to a professional. I want the truth, no matter whom it involves. But I want the story exclusive, as it develops, step by step. All right. Then you're my second client, because George the tailor comes first. Next morning, I went down to the insurance company that pays me that nice, steady retainer, Rain or Shine. I waited through the acre of desks in the outer office and rapped on the glass door marked Arthur B. Goldsmith. Art was the company expert on fires. He knew enough angles on Austin to burn out an asbestos mine. I planted the scrap of celluloid I found under George the tailor on his desk and flipped over a few questions. No soap, Barry. Celluloid is standard equipment. It doesn't point to anybody? It'd be like asking which ball player uses a bat. The mechanic plants a plumber's candle in the celluloid scrap, down she burns, and then they can file the insurance claim in the morning. Much doing these days? Average. Not like in the Depression. In 33, the only way to make a profit was burn your own place down every six months. Art, if you wanted to hire the best, money, no object, uh, who would you get to start a nice, cozy conflagration? Pro job? Major Lee. Let's see. Mike DiGiorno's in Elmira. Maybe uh, Irving Turkle, Segaloid Harry Bush. I'll give you a list. Maybe ten men. Thanks, Art. The long shot. Got something else? Not yet. But if you rake a red-headed clinker out of the next fire, that's me. (laughs) I started checking down our List. It was like looking for the clams in a bowl of cheap chowder. Two of them were at peace in the lower bay, hugging a load of bricks. I found Irving Turkle on Center Street, right opposite police headquarters, pushing a baby carriage full of hot charcoal and roasted chestnuts.
9: Hot
2: roasted chestnuts. All hot.
6: Uh, James Turkle. Who are you? Barry Craig. Art Goldsmith at Federal Indemnity put me on you. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. Why, I got a lot of respect for Mr. Goldsmith, huh? A lot, a, lot a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. Here's your chestnut. Thanks. Look out for worms. Yeah, I will. How's business, Turkle? You push ice cream, turns cold. Switch to chestnuts, you fry an egg in the sidewalk. Tough, huh? My worst enemy should have it better. You haven't been roasting anything besides chestnuts lately? <laughs> like, like what? Like tailor shop's. Craig, I, I'm telling you honest, I ain't so much as set fire to a cigarette since the last time I got sprung. Sure. Look, look, I, I, I ain't so young no more. You, you could get pneumonia standing out here, but inside those cell blocks, it ain't so nice neither. I, I ought to know. I, I've been in maybe 18 years since I was since I was 13. Warwick, Myra, Clinton. I've been to them all. Enough already. I made up my mind I want to die on the... <coughs> Sorry. Could you use five, Terkel? Oh, yeah.
6: you kidding. I want to find a mechanic who did a job on the west side yesterday. A tailor shop? You know about it? I read it in the paper.
2: I got a list from Art Goldsmith. Save me some time and it's worth a thing. Uh, me, me, Mr. Goldsmith. I should not have put me on the list. I, I retired. I, I wouldn't... How about do... the rest of them? Well, I, I heard somebody the other day saying... Harry Bush made a good connection. Where can I find him? All right. uh, look, Mr. Craig, I'm, I'm, I'm on my own now. There, there wouldn't nobody even feel bad if I got took. I'll cover you, Turco. All right. Harry Bush has got a drop in Long Island City. Easy glide roller skating rink. All right, Turkle. Thanks a lot. You, you tell Mr. Goldsmith I'm retired. You tell him that. I, I got a lot of respect for Mr. Goldsmith. Excuse me, I, uh, I got to get back to work. Yes, nuts. Hot roasted
6: chestnuts. The Easy Glide roller skating rake was in a factory district across the river in Queens. It was an oversized barn with high school kids on wheels where the cows should be. I managed to collide with a redhead in a turtleneck sweater and one of those velvet skating skirts that looked like the paper panties on a lamb chop, And she told me where to look for Harry Bush. There was a sign on the door that said, Manager, keep out, but I decided to overlook it. Who's that? Hello, Harry. If you want to rent skates, you're in the wrong pew. Mind if I smoke? Who are you? We got a light, a match, maybe a plumber's candle. What are you, cop? Private license, Barry Craig. A nice drop you've got here, Harry. What are you talking about? I'm the manager of this. Been to any good fires lately? What would I be doing at a fire? Lighting it. They say around town, celluloid Harry Bush is working again. You're in the protection racket up to your pointy ears. You're crazy, Craig. I haven't been near a tailor shop. Yeah? I didn't mention any names, Harry. I just said protection. How did you happen to think of tailor shops?
3: I read about it in this morning's paper.
6: They're still burning people for murder in this state, Harry. But then you won't mind. You like fire. I wouldn't even get booked. Listen, Craig, I don't care what you think. It ain't gonna do you no good. Somebody covering for you, Harry? What do you think? Who is it? Why don't you find out? Maybe I will. So long, fireflies. Outside, I plucked my shoulders against the wall just around the corner and went into a trance. I didn't have long to wait. Celluloid Harry came bouncing out in less than five minutes and headed for town. I stuck with him like bubblegum till he ducked into a doorway in the East 60s. I gave him a running start, and I walked in in time to see the indicator on the elevator hit five. I ran a finger down the directory. There were only two offices on five. a Dr. Martin Perdullik, a DDS, and an outfit named Star Enterprises that could stand for anything. I grabbed the elevator on the next bounce and punched the button marked five. I put my shoulder to the door marked Star Enterprises and he. What?
8: Hey, what's the idea?
6: Well, Herman Jess, I presume. I didn't know you were back. Who the devil are you? Where's Sodom Harry? Who? A little spark plug. He came up here. I have enough trouble without guessing games. Who are you? Barry Craig. You're not police? Private. Now, you can't break in here like this. I'm not a well man. I should be in Florida right now. What's keeping you? Well, that's my business. Yeah, I know about your business. You're really a public benefactor, Herman. Where would a kid get a reefer without you, huh? Well, now, look, now, look. The doctor said I shouldn't get excited. Now. That must be a handicap in running your rackets. I'm not in rackets anymore. I- I'm retired. What makes you think I'm going to believe that? Now, does it look like I'm running a business here? Well, no, but... Uh... I've got no desk, no files, not even a telephone. Now, the doctor says I've got to have absolute All quiet. right, then. Just so tell me where celluloid Harry is, and I'll stop disturbing the peace. Now, now look, Craig, you, you
2: want some, somebody named Harry. I haven't got him. There's only one door here, and you came through it. Now, take a quick look in the closet and walk out of here. My heart can take just so
6: much. And... I'll take you up on that, Jeff. a bone. Now, kindly leave. Okay, okay, Jess. But if you haven't quit the rackets, I'm warning you now. I'm after the mechanic that burned George the tailor and the man who bought him. Clear up to the tap. Put that in your blood pressure and smoke it. I started for the door with a sinking feeling that I was a sucker in a new style shell game. you Lord Harry had to be in Jess's office. And unless he was under the rug, I couldn't see him. The elevator door was just sliding closed as I reached it. I got a quick shot of a pretty picture. Celluloid Harry with his finger on the first floor button. The door slammed and I stared at the arrow as it swung around. It didn't add up. It wasn't a Jess's office. The only other room on the floor was a dentist. I decided to develop a toothache.
2: Can I help you?
6: As my tooth. Uh, this one, see? Hmm? hurts something awful. Oh.
2: Dr. Weiss is on the first floor, and Dr. Carey on the third.
6: What's the matter with Dr. Padulic?
2: I'm sorry, he isn't in today.
6: How about the fellow just came out?
2: There's been nobody here.
6: Well, I guess I made a mistake. By the way, you like roller skating?
2: I beg your pardon?
6: Nothing. A book of matches on your desk says Easy Glide Roller Rink. I thought maybe you liked to skate. <laughs> That dentist setup smelled like a herring factory at high noon in July, but I didn't push the point. I left and found a phone booth in the lobby of the building and poured my story into Whittington's shell-like ears. There might be any number of reasons for that girl lying to you, Craig. Harry might be a boyfriend. She doesn't like to skate, and Herman Jess is right next door. I think the dentist's office is a blind.
2: You think he's fronting for Jess?
6: I'd lay the odds. When the crowd thins out, I'm going up there to check. Well, what do you expect to find? I figure with the rackets Jess is running, he's got to have complete records handy or he couldn't keep track of the take. I want to find those records. All right. If you come across anything, bring it straight to me. The receptionist had left for lunch, so I rang a few peals on the bell to see if Dr. Podulik was at home. He wasn't, so I let myself in with a bobby pin and went to work on the desk in the inner room. I pulled out a stack of records. That latest date was three months ago. The appointment book past that date was blank. The bills checked nothing later than three months ago, except the last one, a bill from the Conmont Memorial Home for $700.84 for the funeral of Martin Padulek.
8: What are you doing in here?
6: Huh? Who are you? Who do you
8: think I am,
2: Doctor Martin Padulek?
6: He was a rabbity gray little man, he looked pretty good for a three-month corpse. There was a vein in his forehead, jumping like a kid on a pogo stick, but his hand was steady as a rock. Because it was wrapped around a thirty-eight revolver. You stay where you are. What do you think you're going to do?
2: I... Well, you broke into my office. I'm going to call the police.
6: Fine, fine. You go ahead. Maybe you can explain to them how you happened to be buried three months ago. What? You're no dentist. You're fronting for Herman Jess. Well, You're crazy. Am I? I'll save you time. I'll call the police. Give me that... And you give me that gun.
8: There.
6: Fair trade. Now, settle down, friend, while I jam a chair under the doorknob. I'm going to look for Herman Jess's record. I was in a tough spot, and I knew it. The license commission doesn't look kindly on breaking and entering, and if that office was clean, I was in for trouble. I knew I couldn't search that room for anything smaller than an elephant in the few minutes before somebody drifted in, so I kept one eye on my buddy and played it cozy. I yanked the desk drawers out and threw the papers around like a picnic. I pulled the medical books down off the shelves to make sure that there weren't any false fronts. I wasn't getting any cake from the phony dentist, so I headed for the other room. I dumped the instrument trays, and he couldn't have cared less. And when I headed for the file cabinet in the corner, the vein in his forehead beat like a ragtime drummer on bathtub gin. You can't get away with this. I'll I'll have you in jail. Yeah, yeah. I slid open the file drawers, nothing but dental records. I slammed this shot and my playmate relaxed like a hangover in a Turkish bath. I couldn't figure it. Those records ought to be near that file cabinet. Maybe a secret panel. I couldn't be sure without an x-ray and then I got it. What are you doing? Taking a look in this box on top of the file. Those are valuable x-rays. Don't get them out of order. Hmm. I won't. I'm taking them with me. This first batch of teeth, all right. But from here on, these pictures didn't come from anybody's mouth. Not unless his molars kept double-entry books. Oh, company.
8: Let me in.
2: I know you're in there, Craig.
6: Not for long. Which way is the nearest fire escape?
2: Hurry! I got him! In the pig's eye, Frank!
6: Craig, stand still or I shoot. The window was locked, so I tossed a waste paper basket through it. I was two fours down the fire escape when Jess showed up in the window. We're <laughs> was around like a pinball game with body English. I hit the ground and sprinted for the curb. Then I jumped into a waiting hack. To pull the I saw a celluloid Harry bounce out of the building and into another cab. Hey, mister, I wouldn't want to make you nervous, but you're being followed. No, I'm very popular. Can you lose them? Uh, no, my life insurance lapsed last week. Would 50 bucks change your mind? What could his insurance have after I'm dead 50 I can spend now? Hold on to your plate. We weasel through Manhattan. The cab behind us stuck like a mustard blaster. We got into a jam in a transverse across Central Park.
8: Hang on, mister. I'm
6: going to cut inside that bus on the sidewalk. It got caught by the lights. Shot straight up to Whittington's mint-lined sewer. He was showing himself color shots with his pocket spaniel on a slide projector when I walked in. Craig, you didn't bring. Doorbells are for process service. I've got Herman Jess and the protection racket in my pocket. Here. What are these? Dental x-ray films. Only there isn't an inlay in the bunch. These are Jess's records, microfilm to match the teeth x-rays. Are you sure? You can't read them without a magnifying widget. But I'll bet there's enough in that envelope to send Jess up the river like salmon. Shall I call the cops? I'll take care of that, Craig. Wait. You expecting anybody up here tonight? Uh, no, I left orders not to be disturbed. In that case, we'd better get ready to receive company. Somebody's coming up the stairs. I thought I lost Harry, but I guess he's stuck. Chuck that envelope in the fish tank. What's up? The- Go ahead. It won't hurt the film. Now, I'll try to look into well. All right, Craig. Get him up. We were just talking about you, Jess. Was your nose itching? You hoist him too, Whittingham. You can't get away with this, Jess. I'll have you. You won't do anything. You're pretty brave in those crusading editorials. Wrecked my health. Let's see you stand up against the gun. Craig, do something. got me suggestions? I want those records this... this Bun's brain stole from me. You got me wrong, Jess. Shall I work on them? No, no. I'll try Whittington. What are you going to do? Harry, ask him where those records are. You get away from me. You heard, Mr. Jess. Where are the records? I don't know. Hey!
8: Don't move, Craig. Ask him again, Harry.
6: Come on, Whittington. Where ah, are they? I don't know. I told you. Let me alone. Listen, Jack. Don't move. The very nervous man it would be very bad for me to shoot you. Now, you got anything to say? No. No, not when you put it that way. Okay, Harry. Go ahead. All right, Whittington. No, no. Don't hit me again. No, oh, don't. Where else, records? No, oh, no, not again. There, in the fish tank. Craig hid them there, Harry. I
8: got. Look inside. It's films, all right. All right, we're getting out of here. Come on,
6: Harry. What's that? Mr. Whittington is having open house. What are you talking about, Craig? I think the boys in blue are coming to tea. A cop. He's bluffing. Care to wait and see?
8: The back door, Harry. We don't want trouble on the way out. Take care of Craig. A (laughs) pleasure.
6: Harry was behind me when he let me have it with the butt end of his gun. I retired temporarily from this world, and when I got back, I was looking at a pair of shoulders four yards wide with Lieutenant Buck Edwards cooing gently in my ear. Craig, Craig, are you all right? Oh, I'd better send for a doctor. <sighs> How about Jess? Dad is yesterday's racing form. He tried to shoot it out with the boys I had to take downstairs. And Sergeant Lord Harry's on his way to prison ward at Bellevue. Just dead, eh? Uh, Lieutenant, uh, did you search the body? There was certain evidence. You mean this envelope? That belongs to the paper, Lieutenant of a confidential report.
8: I don't know, Mr. Whittington. I'll uh,
6: take complete responsibility. We rate a break on this story. Craig was retained by us. Go ahead, Buck. Give it to him. Excellent. Excellent. I'll put it in my safe. Better look at it first. What do you mean? You'll find it's a real classy collection of diseased choppers. What are you talking about? They aren't the real microfilm records. They're just a bunch of legitimate x-rays of teeth. I left the real records with the cab driver and told him to take him to Lieutenant Edwards. What you told me... Sure I did. But I liked to play it safe. I knew Jeff would be after me, and I was afraid he might persuade you to give him back. I, I'm sorry. I'm afraid I was rather weak. But I really thought he intended to kill it. Oh, don't apologize. You were terrific. That was a great strong-arm scene you played with your stooges. Stooges? Sure. Why do you think I ducked those records, Whittington? When I was going through that X-ray file, one thing caught my eye. A color transparency. It didn't exactly belong in that file because I'd seen a print of that picture before on your desk. A very flattering portrait of your wife. My wife? Yes, you made a slight mistake. You must have got it mixed up with your microfilm records when you shipped them back to your boy, Herman Jess. Oh, see, here. Are you trying to insinuate that I... I... mean, you're the real boss behind this record, not Harry Jess. Why, well, that's absurd. If that were true, then why would I have hired you? Self-protection. Your board of directors was pushing you to deliver that crime series, but you figured that if I turned anything up, it'd be easy to take care of me this way. Craig, you're out of your mind. You can't prove a thing.
2: Oh, yes, we can. We checked those microfilms, Mr. Whittington. There's a payoff to you listed on every page. You've been under arrest for the last five minutes.
6: Well, Whittington, I guess this squares accounts for George the Taylor. But you still owe me for one brown suit. I'll put it on the bill for services rendered. For take you. them away,
2: boys. Coming, Barry.
6: Coming, Lieutenant. So long, folks. See you next week.
1: You have just heard Barry Craig, confidential investigator, starring William Gargan. Next week, another exciting transcribed story starring America's number one detective, William Gargan, as Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Tonight's story was written by Ernest Canoy and featured Santos Ortega in the role of Alfred Whittington, your announcer, Don Pardo. All persons and places mentioned in this program were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual persons living or dead is purely coincidental.
9: Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Till we meet again next Wednesday for another hard-hitting adventure with Barry Craig, confidential investigator, let me give you a brief rundown of the adventure shows you can hear on NBC. Tomorrow night on NBC, there are a trio of action programs starting off with Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons, as he investigates another thrilling mystery. Then Dragnet brings you an authentic criminal case history as taken from the files of the Los Angeles Police. Later, counter-spy is called in to solve a case which threatens to endanger our national security. Then on Saturday, screen actor Brian Dunleavy takes you down the shadow-filled corridors of mystery on another dangerous assignment. On Sunday, NBC's adventure shows include a spine-tingling visit with Martin Kane, Private Eye, followed by the exciting story of The Whisperer. Later, Douglas Fairbanks is featured in The Silent Men with authentic action stories about your government security agents. On Monday, Herbert Marshall comes to the NBC microphone to assume the mysterious identity of the man called X. Then, Tuesday night, hear Big Town and another pulse-quickening story is told by editor Steve Wilson of the Illustrated Press. Well, there you have a complete roundup of the top mystery shows you can hear on NBC. Next Wednesday night, we hope you'll be back with us for another adventure with William Gargan as Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Now it's Meredith Wilson's Music Room on NBC.
3: That wraps it up for tonight's show at 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. We really enjoy good reviews, so when you have a chance, say something nice about a selection of shows, or maybe suggest some to us. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.